It's Wednesday, September 28th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, could a change in Jupiter's orbit make life on Earth more hospitable? Plus, behold the best gifs of the 90s, uploaded afresh by internet strangers. And all the Taco Bell news that's fit to print. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. Jupiter was making headlines this week because the planet was as close to Earth as it gets all year on Monday evening, making it a perfect time to have looked up and seen the gas giant at its biggest and brightest. And a lot of headlines were making a big deal about Jupiter being the closest to Earth that it's been since 1963, which is technically true. But as Phil Plate pointed out in his Bad Astronomy newsletter, it's not as huge a difference as mainstream publications hype it up to be. The reason Jupiter was so close was because it was at opposition, when it's directly opposite the sun in the sky from our vantage point on Earth. Quoting Plate, Jupiter orbits the sun about 780 million kilometers from our star on average a little over five times Earth's distance from the Sun. But that's on average. Its orbit is a mild ellipse, taking it as close as 740 million and as far as 816 million kilometers from the Sun. That, in turn, means its distance from us at opposition changes depending on where Big J is in its orbit. As it happens, Jupiter is close to perihelion, the point in its orbit when it's closest to the Sun. It's not exactly there now, but will reach it in January 2023. Still, this means it's about 593 million kilometers from us, which is still the closest it's been at opposition in a long time. So yes, this opposition really is the closest for many decades, and don't get me wrong, that's pretty cool. The slightly off-kilter clockwork of the solar system does make for fun events like this one. But does that make a difference when you look at it? End quote. For us lay folks, honestly, no, not too much. But events like these are still a great time to observe and learn more about these planets. And the hype earlier this week served to resurface a paper published earlier in September about Jupiter's orbit and its effects on Earth. Specifically, does our planet have the potential to be even more habitable than it actually is? I mean, the quick answer is, yeah, of course, if we drastically invest in fighting the climate emergency or rewind time to take it seriously to begin with. But I mean, in the grand scheme of the known universe, Earth is pretty dang hospitable. You know, it's the only space object we know of that we can actually live on unaided. But this new paper, published in the Astronomical Journal, asserts that changes to Jupiter's orbit could make Earth more habitable by making regions that are largely uninhabitable by our 8.7 million terrestrial species more hospitable. Or it could make it all significantly less so. Fun. So here's what's going on, according to scientists at the University of California, Riverside. Planetary scientist and lead author Pam Vervoort said, quote, If Jupiter's position remained the same, but the shape of its orbit changed, it could actually increase this planet's habitability. End quote. And from Space.com, Planets with a more circular orbit maintain a steady distance from their star, while more eccentric, oval-shaped orbits bring planets closer and further away from their stars at different points in that orbit. Proximity to a star determines how much radiation it receives and how it's heated, meaning it affects a planet's climate. 
end quote. Now, as I quoted from Phil Plate a minute ago, Jupiter's orbit is already a slight ellipse, but were it to get even more elliptical or more eccentric, it would push Earth's orbit to become more eccentric as well. And that would bring us even closer to the sun than we already are. And that proximity would bring the heat for some of those coldest, most inhospitable regions of the Earth, allowing a wider variety of species to call those places home. Now, why would changing Jupiter's orbit affect us so much all the way over on Earth? Well, it wouldn't just affect us, it would be the whole solar system. And even small changes to Jupiter ripple out because it's so massive. Jupiter is two and a half times the mass of every other planet in the solar system combined. But if Jupiter were moved closer to the sun, then it would cause Earth to tilt more drastically on its rotational axis. And instead of warming some regions, more of them would freeze because we'd be getting less sunlight. Seasons would be more extreme, large swaths of the planet would experience sub-freezing temperatures, and winter sea ice would cover an area four times greater than it presently does. Now, to be clear, we are not at risk of either of these scenarios happening. The researchers say things like how it might change in the future, but I'm pretty sure that's the kind of timescale astronomers usually work with, you know, like millions of years from now, hypothetically. The point of the study wasn't to dissect a cautionary tale, but rather to provide more insight into our study of exoplanets. Now, like I said, and as we all know, Earth is the only known planet that can support life. But we continue to hold out hope that there is some kind of life out there somewhere. Exoplanets are great fodder for this, because compared to the planets within our solar system, we still know relatively little about any of them. But because we know so little, and because Earth is the only habitable planet we're aware of, we have to use Earth as a model when assessing habitability elsewhere. One of the most popularly known characteristics that astronomers look for in that assessment is the presence of water, and therefore the distance of that exoplanet from its star. Not so far that the surface water would freeze, and not so close that it would evaporate. There's also the size, mass, and general properties, you know, rocky and smaller like us, or big and gassy like Jupiter and Saturn. And on top of that, there are things like the tilt of the planet, influencing how much radiation it receives from its star, as well as influencing seasonal variations. And that is where Jupiter, or other gas giants like it, come in. It seems, not just from this study, but also previous ones, that the presence of a gas giant like Jupiter nearby an exoplanet candidate could be a good indicator of habitability. Science Alert points to a 2019 study that showed how adjusting the orbit of Jupiter could make our whole solar system unstable. Again, due to its mass, that's true, but this more recent study through the use of simulations showed that instability alone is not the only possible outcome. And the more we understand about how Jupiter affects our model reference habitable planet of Earth, the more we can understand about the potential habitability of exoplanets who also hang out near gas giants. But with how delicate that balance is between chaos and a potentially more hospitable planet due to slight changes in the gas giant's orbit, it's just a reminder of how absolutely perfectly things had to line up for life to exist on Earth at all. Which, on the one hand, makes you question how such a big sequence of infinitesimal probabilities could possibly line up again, 
But on the other hand, with this study especially, I'm wondering if we're just assuming Earth is the best because we don't know any better. There could be way better hospitable planets out there. You know, maybe places with extended autumn and spring seasons. Yeah, a couple nice blankets of snow a year, but no life-threatening blizzards, heat waves, or hurricanes. I mean, just imagine. Alright, so on Monday, I talked all about the rise and fall of the GIF a word that I pronounce jif most of the time, even though, admittedly, after saying it so much during that segment, both ways of pronouncing it started sounding wrong. I also, as expected, had a couple of you point out to me that while I can pronounce the file format either way, the company I was discussing is properly pronounced Giffy, not Jiffy, like the campfire popcorn that I love. This is something that I second-guessed while recording, but... I'm not gonna lie, it didn't occur to me until about halfway through the segment, and I had a super busy day, so I just powered through. So, apologies to Giphy, I still love your site, and I use it all the time. But I bring that all up because I have more GIF news. Tom Dunn over at Boing Boing came across a couple of folks who have been uploading tens of thousands of old 1990s GIFs into Google Drive folders for the rest of the world to enjoy. These GIFs come from a couple of old CD-ROMs that these people found lying around in their homes or in thrift stores. The first person, Tumblr user Gearsphere, thrifted a CD-ROM from BDG Publishing simply called 22,000 Animated GIFs. And I need you to know that on the cover of this CD, the F in GIFs is written with a sword. The details on the CD-ROM read, quote, 22,000 animated GIFs cover more than 400 categories. These exciting, active images keep your web pages standing out from others. Tons of new animations you have never seen before. Satisfaction guaranteed. End quote. After perusing the selection on Gearsphere's Google Drive, can confirm I am more than satisfied. But one person on Twitter, who goes by the handle Speedy, was not satisfied. They upped the ante by uploading a six-disc set of 150,000 GIFs from Web Clip Empire. The box of this CD-ROM features static versions of a bunch of GIF animations flying through space and getting absorbed into the Milky Way, so you know it means business. Both collections were marked as royalty-free in their original distribution, and the folks who uploaded the GIFs to Google Drive folders are letting people have at it. So feel free to make whatever use of these you will. They've got GIFs in all your typical categories, hobbies, holidays, letters, animals, elevators. There are seriously about nine different elevator GIFs. I love it. I can't wait to add so many of these to my next Microsoft PowerPoint presentation. My favorite one that I've found so far is a tiny little gif of Kilroy popping out of a toilet. And speaking of Kilroy, I had to Google to confirm my memory of the little long-nosed graffiti dude, and I realized the origin and spread of that cartoon character is a way more fascinating story than I realized, so maybe I will dig into that in a future episode. But see what wonders and rabbit holes we can discover through old treasure troves like these? So follow the links in the Boing Boing article in the show notes to both of the Google Drive repositories and see what gems you can find. 
Despite hyping it up a number of times on this show, I never actually followed up on Taco Bell's Mexican Pizza TikTok musical. I always found the entire situation endlessly amusing. I mean, just that combination of words. Incredible. As a brief refresher, following Taco Bell removing Mexican pizza from their menus at the end of 2020, there was a nearly Choco Taco-sized backlash, and among the people pining for Mexican pizza was Doja Cat, who posted a TikTok singing about how much she loved it. Then a TikTok comedian by the name of Victor Kunda used that song from Doja Cat to pretend to be an overworked choreographer conducting rehearsals at a Mexican pizza-themed musical. That musical did not exist yet, it was just a gag that Kunda used for his video, but Taco Bell saw it and decided it would present the perfect opportunity to make a splash when they, surprise, brought back Mexican pizza to their menus this past spring. So they got together, Kunda and Doja Cat and a bunch of other talented TikTok musicians and actors, and somehow, at some point, Dolly Parton got involved too. Until the musical went live, in three parts on Taco Bell's TikTok earlier this month, Parton's exact role remained a mystery. My bet was that she had signed on as some sort of executive producer and would maybe make a cameo. Well, I have finally watched Taco Bell's Mexican Pizza the Musical, and I can report that not only is it pretty dang good, very solid songs, excellent performances, a little bit of typical musical cheesiness, but nothing too bad, but the real best parts... The Mexican pizza is voiced by Dolly Parton herself. Yes, Dolly Parton sings the role of the Mexican pizza. It is genius. I love it. And because why not, here is a little teaser from the opening song. Link to watch the whole thing is in the show notes, but a couple of related items for you. First, a friend of a friend has produced at least a music video of one song from their Blast, a flavor-packed mountain doozical. I'm pretty sure that this is not a musical, or sorry, doozical, that will ever actually happen, but the music video for Baja Ballad was enough to get them a write-up in Broadway world. Deservedly so. It's very well done. A link to watch Baja Ballad, at least, is in the show notes. Second, Taco Bell has just launched a new, vaguely election-themed campaign to let the people choose which discontinued menu item to bring back next. From now until October 6th, you can cast one vote per day in the Taco Bell app for either the Double Decker Taco or the Enchirito. Now, if, like me, you didn't realize the double-decker taco was gone and also had no clue what an enchirito was, here's an explainer from Thrillist, quote, 
The double-decker taco was first introduced in 1995 and stuck around as a permanent menu item through June 2006. It was discontinued entirely in 2019. The massive meat boat features a soft flour tortilla layered with beans and wrapped around a crunchy taco shell filled with seasoned beef, crispy lettuce, and cheddar cheese. The Enchirito, whose origin dates back to 1970, is a soft flour tortilla loaded up with seasoned beef, beans, and diced onions, rolled up smothered in classic red sauce and topped with cheese. It left menus in 2013. End quote. Now, unlike Mexican pizza, which is now back permanently, at least in the U.S., Taco Bell has specified that the winner of this public vote will only be back for a limited time. No word yet if the winner will also have a Dolly Parton TikTok musical made in its honor. All right, well, that is going to be it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.